Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. <clears throat> AT&T connects an O to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio, and how the tech are ya? It's time for the tech news for Thursday, August 18th, 2022. Here in the United States, we are headed toward another election. Uh, this one is a midterm election. That means that the president is not up for re-election, but a lot of folks in Congress and in local positions around the U.S. are. It also means that there is a heightened concern about the spread of misinformation online. And, you know, that's been an issue for years, but it really came under the spotlight in 2016, and it has stayed in the spotlight ever since. Hogging center stage. Now, to that end, in 2020, Facebook, the platform, and you know, actually the company itself, because the company had not yet changed its name to Meta in 2020. Anyway, it took the significant step of banning new political ads from being published in the week leading up to the election. 
Now Meta is going to do the same thing for the U.S. midterms this year. And if you listened to Tuesday's episode this week, you know that there was a a watchdog group that called out Meta for failing to follow its own content moderation policies on Facebook in Brazil. The group had submitted several ads purposefully containing misinformation within them, and Facebook accepted all of those ads. Now, it's true that in English-speaking countries, Facebook's content moderation is, you know, slightly less incompetent, but rather than deal with the flood of possible attack ads and misinformation campaigns, Facebook is going to wash its hands of the whole business, at least for the week leading up to the election itself. It remains to be seen if Facebook will copy exactly what it did in 2020, because while the plan was just to have a temporary ban that lasted a week, Facebook actually kept that ban on political ads in place all the way for six months. Uh, Pretty sure that's not going to happen this year, but maybe it will. TikTok is taking a similar approach when it comes to political content. Now, the company has a ban that restricts influencers from posting paid political content. That's pretty much been the case from day one. The company has never accepted political ads, but it does start to get tricky when you understand that TikTok influencers aren't necessarily looking to TikTok as their payday. Uh, They take sponsorship deals instead. And one of these days, I really need to do a full episode on how various influencers make their money because it, it varies from platform to platform. And it's never as straightforward as you might imagine. Anyway, TikTok isn't banning political content outright. You can still post a video where you express your political beliefs or where you critique a politician, or policy, or whatever, so long as you don't break the other rules. For instance, if your video spreads misinformation, or it's meant to incite violence, or it turns out that you were paid to put that specific viewpoint up online, all of that is right out. The video is likely going to get deleted, or at least heavily restricted, And there's a chance that the account holder, the person who made the video, might find themselves without an account before too long. TikTok says it will make available information to creators so that they understand the rules. You know, it's making sure that people know what they're getting into, especially people who might be new to TikTok and, you know, they're they're taking sponsorship deals. Maybe they aren't aware of the ban on political content when it comes to sponsorship and and paid uh, content. I don't know if the steps that Facebook and TikTok are taking are going to have a significant impact on the spread of misinformation online. I do think they are steps in the right direction, but I imagine that all this really will do is make those who are are determined to spread misinformation to just find new ways to do it. Amazon is reportedly testing a short form video feature in its app. That's sort of similar to TikTok. That's how I'm seeing it reported, though I, I don't I don't draw it as close a connection as others do. So instead of it being a platform for dances and pranks and sketches and dubious life hacks and that kind of thing, the way TikTok is, Amazon's version is meant to let users post short videos detailing, you know, like a review or a demonstration of a product that's found on Amazon's store. So let's say you pop on to Amazon in order to buy yourself a brand new sewing machine. And when it arrives, maybe you shoot a quick unboxing video, or maybe you show how to set it up for its first use, particularly if the one you bought has poor instructions. I've had that happen with stuff I've bought where, you know, I spent uh, way more time trying to figure out how to just set it up than necessary because the instructions were terrible. Or 
maybe you shoot a video to demonstrate how the device works as you actually finish a project on it. That's the kind of stuff that Amazon is looking into. Uh, the feature right now is called Inspire, and Amazon is testing it out, but there's no guarantee that the company will actually integrate it into the app for everyone and roll it out. Uh, it might be that tests show that users aren't crazy about it or, or just never use it, but it is interesting to see how other big companies are testing the waters and trying to tap into the appeal of TikTok-like presentations. TechCrunch has made available a tool designed to see if your Android device is listed on a database indicating that spyware is installed on that device. All right, I'm going to back up a little bit. So earlier this year, TechCrunch received a large amount of data that came from a spyware group's internal servers. And the information contains a list of all the Android devices that have been infected by the Truth Spy spyware and its network of spyware. That includes other lots of other spyware apps, tons of them. And these apps sit quietly on Android phones and they do stuff like log activity and track the device. And obviously there are a lot of nefarious reasons someone might be using spyware. I can't think of any like legit reasons for using it, but there are a lot of bad ones. And one uh, that TechCrunch pointed out that is particularly scary and of real concern is that a stalker might attempt to infect a target's phone with spyware in order to keep tabs on that target. That is terrifying, y'all. And it's all too real. We have seen instances of this. We've seen it not just with things like apps and, and using spyware. We've seen it with using things like AirTags, right? So TechCrunch has now created a tool that makes it possible for Android device owners to check and see if their own device shows up in that list that TechCrunch received, uh, which led up to all the devices that had been infected by these various kinds of spyware up to June of 2022. So the tool is located at techcrunch.com slash pages slash the truth spy dash investigation. Now, if you go there and you want to check on your device to make sure it's not in this list, there'll be a few steps you have to take, but the page actually walks you through all of that. So I suggest if you have an Android device that you go through the trouble of doing this, particularly if you suspect that there could be spyware on your device. Now, if you find that your device is a match in that system, which I would say is kind of a worst case scenario, the page also has links to guide you through the steps of removing spyware from your device. Now, TechCrunch does issue a warning that I want to repeat. If you think that someone is using your device to spy on you and you're in a stalker situation, you need to be very careful moving forward because removing the spyware is likely to alert whomever put it on your device that you're on to them and that you're doing this. So just things to keep in mind to try and remain safe. And this is also a reminder that you should always be careful with your devices. I, I'm not victim blaming here because it is not always possible to avoid getting hit by stuff like this. We have seen really, really inventive attacks where the target of the attack had had little to no chance of avoiding it. So this is not blaming, but just saying that taking precautions and following best practices when it comes to browsing on your device or downloading and, and installing apps, you know, doing your homework to make sure you're being as careful as you can be, that can really improve your chances of staying safe. Uh, but again, no shade thrown on people who are affected by this stuff. It can be easy 
to fall victim to it. And sometimes, like I said, unavoidable. Reuters reports that major financial institutions like banks are cracking down on the types of messaging and communication apps that employees are allowed to use while they conduct business. And here's the thing. I often bristle at the thought of a company, organization, or boss restricting what employees can do and how they do it. And in this instance, I actually have to side with the organizations. See, these financial institutions are responsible for moving huge amounts of money around. Moreover, they are often responsible for transactions that can indicate massive, important things going on in business that might not yet be public knowledge. And that opens up opportunities for stuff like insider trading or just getting a head start on everybody else on something. And because of that, the financial industry traditionally keeps a very close watch on employee activities in order to remain compliant. So failing to do so could bring regulators down on the financial institution with hefty fines to follow, should it turn out that a lack of supervision led to employees abusing their position and knowledge and breaking rules. Then enter the pandemic. Suddenly, these institutions needed to pivot, just like everybody else did, so that their employees could work remotely and business would not be disrupted. And some employees began using all sorts of different services to communicate with their clients. Some of those services include features meant to ensure secure and private communications. That's not a bad thing. Secure and private communications are a good thing in most cases. I'm talking about stuff like end-to-end encryption or the uh, communication services that don't keep a log of past communications so there's not a record. But that is a legal nightmare for financial companies. They need to be able to present these communications in the wake of an investigation. They need to be able to know what happened, who knew about it, who were who was making decisions. And if you have these kinds of, of communications channels that aren't keeping track of that stuff, you have no proof and you're not compliant. So right now, financial institutions around the world are, one, they're setting aside large amounts of money to pay incoming fines because of these types of communications that are going on. So the companies, they're, they're, they're not even saying it's not our fault. They're saying, yeah, we're saying aside money because we know that these are violations. And meanwhile, they're trying to require employees to only use tools that can record and archive communications in order to meet compliance with various laws. So this is an interesting example of a scenario where the very features I usually think of as being important for personal communication are ones that are absolutely inappropriate for this particular use case. All right, we've got some more news items to go over, but before we do that, let's take a quick break. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. We're back. In Saudi Arabia, the courts have sentenced a woman named Salma al-Shahab to 34 years in prison. So what was Salma's crime? Well, she had been retweeting activists who were calling for women's rights in Saudi Arabia and for the release of certain political prisoners within the country. Salma had been attending university in the UK in pursuit of a PhD, and upon returning to Saudi Arabia for a vacation, she was detained and arrested, then tried and convicted on charges that she was aiming to, quote, disturb public order and destabilize the security and stability of the state, end quote. This is absolutely horrifying and detestable, full stop. On top of that, the Saudi regime owns a significant chunk of Twitter itself through what is called the Public Investment Fund. That's an interesting name for a fund that represents sovereign wealth and not, you know, public wealth. So this puts Twitter in an awkward position too, right? Because this is the platform where the supposed uh, infraction happened. And meanwhile, the entity that has has incarcerated this woman, has ownership, partial ownership of that platform. Not great. I am not sure what, if anything, can be done on behalf of Salma, who clearly doesn't deserve being imprisoned at all, let alone for 34 years, for just retweeting social messages on Twitter. In India, government officials are considering rules that would require Apple to abandon its proprietary charging ports on devices like AirPods and iPhones, and switch to the universal standard of USB-C. 
Now, should these officials decide that, Apple might have to make the switch as early as 2024 in India. This follows a similar decision that we talked about in a previous tech stuff that happened in the European Union, which also seeks to simplify the market and to make it easier for consumers to swap out charging cords without worrying if this cord matches that device or not. I suspect Apple will migrate to USB-C for those devices, at least for certain models. Uh, it's already done so for things like Mac computers. And largely, I think this is going to happen because while Apple was once primarily known as a hardware company during the Steve Jobs era, now we're in the Tim Cook era. And Apple has been repositioning itself to be more of a services company. I think Cook is less resistant to conforming to industry standards than Jobs was. Jobs was kind of like my way or no way at all, and Tim Cook is more like, let's do whatever it takes in order to continue to be able to provide services. Bloomberg reports that the upcoming ad-supported tier of Netflix might have a few other restrictions for subscribers. The company had announced plans to introduce a lower-cost ad-supported tier in an effort to gain back some of the subscribers it has previously lost and presumably put the company back on track for growth but we don't yet know the subscription price for that ad-supported tier. Anyway, Bloomberg reports that Netflix might turn off a feature that current subscribers have, that being the ability to download content to mobile devices in order to be able to watch that content offline. For example, when you're on an airplane. And this actually makes sense to me for Netflix, you know, it's in a position where it needs to prove to advertisers that the ads on its platform will have value and the company needs to be able to show that the ads are actually being played and watched. And you can't really do that if the content is downloaded for offline viewing. Also, Bloomberg reports that users will not be able to skip ads. And again, that makes sense from Netflix's perspective. If users can just skip the ads, then why wouldn't everyone just downgrade to the cheapest ad-supported option, you know, the and then just fast-forward through all the ads? So Netflix has yet to comment on Bloomberg's report, and it's possible that these sorts of decisions haven't been finalized yet. And hey, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, I'd love to scale Mount Kilimanjaro, but then I wouldn't be able to play today's Wordle, and I need an, an internet connection. Well, have I got good news for you, because the mountain has now got high-speed Wi-Fi on it. Uh, the Guardian has a pretty cheeky article about this news. <laughs> the, the article is titled... Kilimanjaro gets high-speed internet so climbers can tweet or Instagram ascent. And sure, you could do that, but honestly, I feel like Tanzania has installed high-speed internet service on Kilimanjaro, not so that influencers can post live videos while they look for the most picturesque background so it seems like their lives are perfect and without problems or limitations, but rather to make certain that there's a communications network in place to aid with navigation and to help in the event of an emergency. Having that safety net there could spell the difference between a successful rescue attempt and tragedy. I do think there will be plenty of people who will say, awesome, now I can live tweet my climbing experience, but I'm okay with that if it also means someone who got in over their head has an opportunity to make it back to safety. In yesterday's Tech Stuff Tidbits episode, which ended up being nearly 50 minutes long, I talked about how VR has some barriers to entry that could serve as a hurdle for companies like Meta that they have to get over in order to bring the metaverse to life. One thing I didn't mention is the unveiling of the latest version of Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg's metaverse avatar. 
which subsequently got a ton of news coverage and jokes about the Avatar looking like a soulless creature and other people saying that's a fitting representation for Mark Zuckerberg, and I am not here to make jokes like that. Instead, I'll say I think this is an indication that Zuckerberg is trying to address some of those hurdles that I mentioned in yesterday's episode, because a big one is the cost of VR gear. And if VR is to be an important component in the metaverse, which I should add is not a foregone conclusion, it's just one of the more commonly referenced manifestations of the metaverse is that it's a VR experience. Well, that would mean that companies like Meta will want to make sure that the gear required isn't so expensive that it prices most people out of it. The metaverse is only going to be insanely profitable to Meta if the company can get a metric buttload of users to join it. So one way to ensure that the gear won't be too expensive is to make certain that the experience itself doesn't require top-of-the-line gear to render and process the experience. Make it so that lower cost, or in other words, cheap equipment, can work just fine on the platform. To do that, you have to make some pretty big compromises in graphical quality. Enter the Avatar, which to me looks like an Xbox 360 era avatar or maybe Nintendo Me avatar style. It's hardly a compelling virtual representation of a real person. This presents a really interesting dilemma, I think, because I don't know about you, but when I imagine the concept of the metaverse, my imagination conjures up this virtual environment where people can have any sort of avatar they want. And these avatars tend to look really cool and really impressive. Uh, they're high resolution and well animated. And in fact, a, a well-designed avatar becomes something of a status symbol within the metaverse. Then that only works if the environment supports that kind of representation, right? You, you need to be able to actually have that on there. But if instead the metaverse needs to aim for the lowest common denominator in order to attract the largest number of people so that the cheapest equipment can run the darn thing, then paradoxically, I think a lot of folks won't want to join because it won't look cool enough. It'll look kind of cheap. So they won't have that temptation of joining. They're like, that's not cool. I don't want to do that. So then you're stuck. You either design something that looks amazing, but in turn requires equipment that's so expensive that most people can't afford to participate, or you go super simple, but then no one feels tempted to join it in the first place. Now, I should add, we're still a very long way out from the true realization of the metaverse. And in the meantime, I expect we're going to continue to see advancements in technology that might be able to address these problems sufficiently so that they're a non-issue when the ding-dang-darn thing is actually ready for prime time. All right, I have one more news item after this that I want to cover, but before we get to that, let's take another break. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. 
Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Let's talk about the final news item for today because it's a fun one, uh, I think, anyway. And it comes from a story from The Verge. Uh, and it's, it's a, a story that really tickled me, but it's also a story that's long since been moot uh, because this is a story about the deep past of computer history back in the Windows XP days. Arguably, some places are still in the Windows XP days. I find it insane that there are people who are still running on Windows XP machines. I get that there are certain conditions that that mean that people just that's all they have access to. Uh, but, you know, that that's a truly defunct operating system. Although, I mean, I got to admit, I was a big Windows XP fan back in the day. OK, getting back to the story. So the story goes that this unnamed laptop manufacturer began to get complaints about computers crashing under very specific circumstances. Those circumstances involve someone playing the music video for Janet Jackson's hit Rhythm Nation. In fact, sometimes it wasn't even the laptop itself that was playing it when the crash happened. It just happened to be close to another device that was playing the music video. And then the other, the, the laptop from this unnamed manufacturer would crash uh, and I don't know, maybe you're just saying that the laptop hated Rhythm Nation because everybody's a critic, am I right? But what the heck was actually going on? Well, according to Raymond Chen, who is a software engineer with Microsoft, the problem was that the music video contained within it a sound effect that 
had a specific frequency in it, and that frequency just happened to be the resonant frequency for the laptop's hard drive. So the sound effect would introduce vibrations into the hard drive, and that would lead to a system crash. And you might wonder, well, how the heck did the laptop manufacturer deal with that problem? I mean, yeah, this specific music video would set off that laptop, but then so would any other source of sound that contained that frequency, right? It would introduce these vibrations into the hard disk drive, and then the laptop would crash. So according to Chen, this manufacturer issued essentially a, a patch update that would prevent the computer's speakers from playing that specific frequency at all. So in other words, if you were to play Rhythm Nation, that sound effect would lack that specific frequency. Uh, I don't know if the entire sound effect would go silent or if just that one frequency from the sound effect would no longer be audible. You might not even be able to tell the difference, you know, on casual listen. I don't know. But I assume if some other machine were playing that music video, the laptop could still potentially crash. Though, I also think things like speaker quality would determine that because you're talking about producing a frequency with the proper amplitude for it to really be an issue uh, for the, the affected laptops. Anyway, I thought this story was really amusing, but it's also a great reminder that it's cool to learn about physics. Resonant frequencies are important for a lot of different stuff. Nikola Tesla was obsessed with the idea of resonant frequencies. Uh, musical instruments are obviously dependent upon things like resonant frequencies. But these things can also lead to dangerous situations. I mean, if you are able to resonate at just the right frequency, uh, you could potentially destroy stuff as large as suspension bridges. The idea being here that this is a frequency that resonates with whatever the material is and causes it to vibrate. And it can be kind of like being on a swing set and having someone push you at just the right moment and getting you to higher and higher uh, arcs, sort of like that. And just imagine that you get to a point where things begin to break. This is the classic example of this is where you hit the resonant frequency for a crystal container and shatter it as a result. Or maybe you might use resonant frequencies purposefully in an attempt to conduct industrial sabotage in a nuclear facility by manipulating centrifuges, rotational speeds, and try and make them destroy themselves. Cough, Stuxnet, cough. Science is both cool and kind of scary. All right, that's it for today's Tech Stuff news episode. Hope you enjoyed it. If you have suggestions for things I should cover in future episodes of Tech Stuff, please reach out to me. There are a couple different ways of doing that. You can download the iHeartRadio app and navigate to the Tech Stuff page. There is a little microphone icon there. If you click on that, you can leave a voice message up to 30 seconds in length. Let me know if you would like me to use the voice message in an episode, and uh, maybe we'll have you lead into one. Or if you prefer, you can always reach out to me on Twitter. The handle for the show is TechStuffHSW, and I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought 
in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.